If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. Okay, so important question. Okay. Top three yeah. underrated characters on South Park. Ooh, okay. Um, Officer Bar Brady. Okay. Um, oh, man. Um, uh, um, Mimsy and, Mimsy and, 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 and yeah. was it Nathan? Uh, yeah. M- M- Mimsy. Mimsy. So I guess those yeah. are three. The, I, I, you, if you, well, let's make them a unit. A unit? Okay. Okay. Give Who me else? a third one. Um, Not right now, Mimsy. I, I would have to think Saddam Hussein. Really? Yeah. Okay. Right. Although that's actually, it's not underrated. He's not underrated. He's really funny. Yeah. Um, Butters, I would say, is on that list. Okay, I got to, I got to agree with you with Butters. Um, you know, and the and the, the the characters they introduce at so many different times and the metamorphoses that they go mm-hmm. through. You know, I almost feel like the argument has to be made, uh, depending upon the season or the time frame or the setting or anything like that, because you could make you could make one argument for just the first season alone. Oh yeah. You know? Like John Stamos's older brother Richard Stamos, as he sings <laughs> "Loving You," you know. Um, Patrick Duffy. Patrick Duffy. <laughs> Hi kids, I'm TV's Patrick how, Duffy. How how random at the time? Yeah, he was so random. Oh, totally. Yeah. You nowadays. And then the not and so in the uh, City on the Edge of Forever episode, they changed him into uh, Brett Musburger. Oh yeah. You know, so <laughs> just out of nowhere. Hi kids, I'm TV's Brett Musburger. Yeah. Did I say that right? Brett Musburger? I think it's Musburger. Okay. I can't I can't human. Or Cartman's um Je- uh Jennifer Lopez. Oh, on the hand who turns yeah. <laughs> but then who turns out to be, be a guy named Mitch Connor? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mitch Connor. Or just it's just Cartman in general calling himself Rick Cartman. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's oh man. So who are your three? Well, Butters is definitely mm-hmm. on there. I mean, I think Butters has such straight man characteristics that make him so perfect. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, there there are a couple of lines. I, I can't remember what, what what they are, but, you know, you have to be careful with some. I, I forget mm-hmm. what it is. It's like a completely out of context thing where mm-hmm. uh, he's, oh my God, he's just so perfect of a character. Um, you know the the Nathan and Mimsy are exceptionally funny. Oh my God! Yeah, you know um, they used them perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, every now and then, I I mean, just Jimmy watch, and Timmy. Jimmy and Timmy are very mm-hmm. very good. I like Token. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. especially like I was watching uh, the Christian Rock Band episode. Oh yeah, uh-huh. Carmen, how did you know I have an electric bass in my basement? You know, yeah, how did you know I can play this? You know, just it's so, you know. That kind of stuff is. I, it's oh man. I now let me let me ask you this. Go ahead. Favorite episode. Oh man, that's tough. I mean, there's what twenty three seasons now. 
I think it's 20. Is it? 24 I think it's seasons? 24, oh, man. right? Yeah. And I might be wrong. No, I mean, listen, it's in that 1996 area. is when it started, right? Somewhere in so that area. No, probably... I, think it was, I think it was closer to 97. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it, it, would probably be, it, would, it would probably be 97 because it came out when I was a freshman in high school. And the first graduating class was 98. So it was 97 when it came out. Okay. Um, it's weird. Seinfeld and South Park were on at the same time. And South Park has lasted longer than Seinfeld. Yeah. You know? Um, God. I'm just thinking of everything 90s. I don't even like I don't even know if I could pick a favorite episode. There're just there're certain parts of certain episodes that are you know just make you just make you fall over and laugh, you know? Yeah. Like the jewelry polka? Yes. Okay. Just that song in general. I mean, that's that that whole song is my Bread and butter. Yeah, I mean that's that was a summer to me, just that song. Even this one now with the with the timeshare in yeah. Hawaii with butters. Well, don't, and then there was the timeshare in Colorado. Yep. You know the skiing timeshare with the we're, '80s montage. We're watching it. We're kind of watching it on mute right now. Yeah. Um, the ghost. The of ghost Elvis. of Elvis Presley. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd say my favorite episode was the World of Warcraft. Okay. One. Yeah. Where the, that. Stan, Stan was. I'd I'd say that would have to be. I'm not maybe not my favorite, but it it's definitely bathroom. It's oh god, that's the worst part. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) that stupid humor Mm -hmm. is just just genius. Or Xbox versus PlayStation. Yeah, that one was really good when the when the PlayStation Four first came out. Here's a here's an underrated character, Towley. Oh yeah. Okay. Of course. Towley is he's a he's made out of a towel. He's a character that is a towel that likes to get high. Oh, I it's mean, great. Integrity Farms. Te- yeah. the, the, oh my god, that was brilliant. Um Randy Marsh, I think, is up there too. Really? As one of my favorites. I can see that. I can see that. I'm trying to like I'm trying to take the main characters, the main four characters and their families. But and- here's the thing though, I feel like the adults have sort of become funnier than the kids. Yeah, they've really shied away from the four kids to a certain degree. And you degree. know why? Because South Park's, I guess, niche fan group is growing up. Yeah. So they need to... I mean, that's what yeah. they did with The Simpsons, yeah. essentially. I mean, it used to be Bart that was like the, the lead. character. And then Homer yeah. was, yeah. you know, the main guy. Right. So, so it makes sense to say that Stan, Kyle, Kenny, and Cartman are even with shows like The Rugrats. Right. I don't know if you've ever watched that. Well, I know of it, and you know okay. they're oh, they're all grown up after a while, right? You know, so. But like the, the when you when you go and watch the old episodes again, right? A lot of the things that the adults say are really friggin' funny. Yeah, absolutely. That you miss, like when yes. you're a kid, it works on a whole other level. Yeah. I mean, well, that's and that's the case with a lot of cartoons. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's you know old Looney Tunes cartoons mm-hmm. or even some of the stuff that you see on like the Disney Channel and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it's right. just they're they're trying to slip that stuff in there just to keep their sanity, right? You know, and I get it. It works. So, yeah. Um, okay. What? Top three. Okay. 
underrated characters on Family Guy? Herbert. Okay. Yep. Um, where's the paper boy? Ad, Adam West. Agreed. Rest in peace. Um, Would anyone like to play Stratego? I have Stratego. <laughs> um, Nobody screws with Adam Wee. Uh, <laughs> um, and then... Uh, so, Mr. Toilet. Carter Pewterschmidt. Really? You like Carter Pewterschmidt? I like him because he is so comedically white and rich yeah. that it's so easy to make fun of him. And it, like, just, like, the way he says things. I would I would replace Carter Pewterschmidt with Ollie Williams. Okay. On my list. All right. It's yeah. gonna rain. It's gonna rain. Yeah. I went to the wrong airport. Who wants this dog? You check your TCPIP settings. Yeah, Chunky. I definitely like I like those characters. I haven't watched Family Guy in a long time. Though. Well, the problem with Family Guy is that, um, you know, Seth MacFarlane has distanced himself from the show. He does voices, but he's really not overseeing the the creation of it anymore he's doing other projects i'm sorry i just saw the um the clip from one of the opening segments of south park right and it was the prostitution episode oh with the, the cops okay. go undercover i think i have to say that yeah. i think that's my favorite there, episode yeah breeze yeah. <laughs> has some deep cover there <laughs> so yeah but that's the problem with family guy is that mm-hmm. you know i've been i've been watching trying to catch up with it with this you know quarantine curfew yeah. stuff yeah. and uh it i've been i've been making some progress but uh it is you know you you there are some funny parts mm-hmm. but they're definitely uh reaching for things to certain degrees right. you know that that just doesn't it doesn't it just doesn't mesh to the same degree um yeah, if you think about it, I mean, a lot of these people who get their start with the show and who sort of distance themselves after a while, um, you know, it's not the same. Yeah. I mean, you can take, you can transfer that idea to music from Nintendo games. Like Koji Kondo used to yeah. write all the music for the Mario games. And now he's just kind he's of He's just overseen. a supervisor. Yeah. And it's, yes, there's that you know major four major four minor minor three minor two major one chord progression in there but it's not the same as sorry for going into theory mode i've bottled it up for like weeks um but you could still tell there's a little bit of that flair but it's not quite the same yeah a great example of of it being the same was when grant kirkhope was asked to do the music for the spiritual successor of banjo kazooie okay called ukulele yep. which was a crowdfunded project okay and as soon as you heard the music instantly i'm like yeah that yep. is that yep. is him that's grant kirkhope yeah. and it was funny because you know he was what it was of 20 years later but the music did not change at all and right. it was just really familiar well, and, but and that's, great that's the beauty of um you know, people having ha- having a certain mm. style or a certain identifying mark with their creativity. You yeah. know, you know 
whose piece it is, you right. know, and there's a, there's a certain, uh, I don't know if I would call it a respect level, but there, there, it's just a unique identifier. I remember a colleague of mine telling me that, you know, he'd been around the big band circuit a while. And he says, I can tell you when a piece is a Thad Jones piece. I can tell you when a piece is, you know, um, an Ellington piece. I can mm-hmm. t- you know, and, and I, and I'm just like, I get it. You know, it's, and, and, and as I, yeah, I know, right. <laughs> and I was listening to some stuff. I was listening to st- some stuff online the other day and I was like, you know what? I could, I could tell you like before I read some of the comments on YouTube, I was like, I could tell you that these arrangements are more modern, more, uh, of a New York style modern jazz, and then mm. I read the thing, and it's like, yep, these musicians are based in New York. I was like, I knew it. Yeah, I absolutely knew. It. I could tell by the voicings and and by well, that's where the term know, East and West Coast jazz right. came from. Exactly, you can tell who the artists were right. and the style, and like if you're West Coast, you're slightly behind. You're a bit more cool. More cool, exactly. East Coast, you're more ahead of the. You're, beat. you're hip. You're right. you know. Yeah, it's definitely more bright sounding. Right. Yeah. Well, just just the the choices that they made for the voicings. I mean, they were definitely um, dissonant to a certain degree, but but there was a consonance to their dissonance. You know. Well, I always was, say you have to build with con- consonants first, and then you add dissonance as a flavor. Right, exactly. The color tones that were added much later were definitely. I mean, they, they make sense to your ear. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm you sure know, our listeners are have at this point they, they people kind of like, have no idea. Yeah, I mean, they're all kind of looking at us like virtually, like what is going on here. It's they, okay, but for our listeners who do understand, thank you so much. Yes, for putting for 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 listening, and people who don't understand, thank you so much for putting up with yes. our. Our, our our stir craziness here. So let's start the episode now. Hi. Oh wait. Welcome. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Welcome everybody to uh, a bonus episode, if you will, of how you play the game, the official podcast of the Osip Foundation. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. Across the way, on the love seat, is uh, producer engineer Mr. Sean Ryan. Greeting, Sean. Oh, I'm on the love seat. Well, I'm on the couch, and the technical term for what you're on is the love seat. It has nothing to do with anything else. It just is what it is. Um, as always, you can check us out on the social media interwebs with our website, osipfoundation.org, on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash osipfoundation. Twitter and Instagram are both at osipfoundation, hashtag how you play the game. And uh, you can always email the show with the address is podcast at osipfoundation.org. So we're coming to you with this bonus episode because unless you've been living under a rock. Which it would be a good thing in this case. It very well could be. Um, you know, the, the coronavirus has, uh, set our world into what I'd like to believe is a little bit of an overreaction. Mm -hmm. Um, now when I say that, I'm not trying to say that this isn't serious. This is obviously something that we have to consider and we have to, we have to take appropriate and necessary measures. And I understand that, but there are certain degrees to which I personally, and it's only me, feel that there are you know a little bit of an overreaction at times so in talking with sean we were kind of like you know what why don't we spend some time doing uh doing some bonus episodes you know just to kind of you know give people a little something extra um 
you know, or at least, you know, try and uh, give us, you know, give us something to do or, mm-hmm. you know, wh- whatever the case may be. I don't know. But we just thought it would be kind of cool to, you know, just just dive into it, you know, yeah. so that we're not just sitting around doing nothing. Right. You know, um, what have you been doing with your time? Oh, God, where do I begin? Um, well, I was in Florida. But just so you know, guys, this is good. We're going to be in and out. In terms of like sportsmanship and whatnot. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's I mean, yes, please still listen, but yeah. we're just trying I mean, I haven't seen Jack in like a month. So it's I'm like we're kind of getting it all out. I think I think the last time we hung out was February. Because Yeah. Be, so yeah, yeah, it has been a month. Yeah. I mean where we are now it's it's not quite a calendar month, but more or less it's for for all intents and purposes, it's that. So what, what have you been up to? Um, well, let's see here. Uh, so before the uh, the semester came to a screeching halt, um, you know we had our we had our uh, studio orchestra concert, which was really really good, and um, some of Sean's music was in was involved and whatnot, and it was really fun. And oh, that was great. The the kids loved it, and the people loved it, and uh, so it was it was a good time. Um, then I went on a trip to Florida when, uh, everything, uh, kind of just broke, you know, we went, we went for our annual, uh, trip for spring training and, uh, we got six out of seven games in, uh, before hap- uh, before happy, I saw happy birthday on the screen and that's what I just said, uh, before, um, <laughs> I spring know tra- exactly what this yeah. is <laughs> before spring training and baseball and all of the sports world just shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, and, uh, it was a good time. We, uh, we had, uh, we had a really, really good time, great experiences and, uh, and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. uh, we come back to this and, uh, we're kind of just like lost and confused now, you know? Yeah. Uh, I became an uncle for the first time. Congratulations. Thank you. The, the kid is, uh, at this point about a little more than two weeks old, still doesn't have a job. He, she, she, my niece. What's, what's her name? Her name is Charlotte Bernadette. Oh, they gave, my sister gave her my mom's first name as the middle name. Well, that's and, pretty. And Charlotte is a very pretty, semi-normal name. I thought well, for my know. congratulations Thank you. to you and your family. Thank you. We, uh, we, we. I have not even met this kid at the time of recording, and uh, I'll meet her tomorrow for the first time. And she's already got me wrapped around her finger. Okay. We bought so much stuff for her in Florida. Mm. that uh, packing it into our bags to get back on the plane was definitely uh, a a, a, A Tetris challenge. Yeah, let's go with that. You know, it was definitely a challenge. Um, The the worst part was that, so we we pack our bags, we check out of our hotel, and we got about three hours to kill before we got to be at the airport. So we went to um, a shopping center, which was somewhat barren, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an outdoor shopping center, and uh, well, that's good. Yeah, and I mean they had stores and whatnot. We went in; the stores were obviously dead. Yeah. And while we were at some of these stores, we went to this one store called the Cheshire Cat, which was labeled oh, from as Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, it was labeled as Smart Toys. Hmm. So they, they, these are not like just commercial merchandising toys. These are toys that you know people put thought into and whatnot. Mm. And we found a couple of things that were so cute. Mm. There was a bunny that 
if you press one leg, it plays peekaboo with its with its ears. It comes down and up. Is that and what down. I'm looking yeah, at? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, and if you press the other leg, it sings. Hmm. Uh, do your ears hang low? Do they? Wa- and the ears move. And oh, uh, God, it's so, so cute. And then hmm. we also found a book there, a children's book called uh, "I Need a New Butt." Basically, saying like mine has a crack in it. Oh, you know? that's so funny. yeah, it's just just so such cute stuff. Hmm. Um, you know, it was it was, but yeah, I mean. We, you know, we went on a Segway tour. We rented a boat, and um, you know, um, we got some sportsmanship stories out of it. Okay, you know, some good stuff to tell. I baked a cake, the bunt cake. Yeah, how'd that go? I, it was a lemon, lemon vanilla cake. That sounds good. And it's really good. Really? Yeah. How much time I, did that take you? Like an hour and a half. That's not bad. No, I'm I'm thinking of so right now it's just lemon and vanilla. Okay, and it's vegan. Okay. So I didn't use any eggs. Okay. What'd you use instead? Applesauce and coconut oil. Interesting. It held it together. Interesting. It was really good. Um, it, the batter was good. I haven't tried the cake yet, but... My mother's going to be baking a, a chocolate cake for my sister, and I, I think it's vegan, and mm-hmm. I forget what she uses. I don't know if it's vegan or if it's like FODMAP, you know, like the, the SIBO stuff, you mm-hmm. know, gluten-free, all that stuff. Yeah. Um I got to check that, but yeah, those eggs sometimes can make or break. So the fact mm-hmm. that you can make or break an egg, ha, uh-huh. ha, ha, <laughs> um, you know, so the fact that you could find something to hold it together like that, mm-hmm. that's, that's really good. So I'm going to, I'm going to add, I'm going to try it again later this weekend and okay. use blueberries with it. Okay. So it'll be blueberry and, um, do you put icing um, on it? Yes. Okay. I make my own frosting. What kind of frosting do you use? So I use confectioner sugar right. and, uh, well, in, kit, in this case, lemon juice. Okay. All fresh squeezed. Okay. No extract? Nope. Oh, well, yes, there is lemon extract okay. in the batter. Okay. Um, so I put, so I made the glaze out of um, granulated sugar and lemon juice. And okay. then the frosting out of confectioner sugar. Right. And lemon juice. Interesting. And um, you have to wait for the cake to dry, to dry, to cool off. Right. And then you you drizzle the frosting on it. Right. It, it, it looks really good. Oh, good. So I can't wait to try it when I get home later. Hey, you know what? If 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 that's all we if that's one of the things we can do is try different recipes and whatnot. I hey, mean, with all I mean, with all the time I have off. Yeah, now, I know. I'm I mean, be I've been baking. going for walks and whatnot. You know, Caitlin and I have been going for yesterday. We walked about four miles. Wow. Yeah. We walked, Where? So we, we walked from here mm-hmm. to the supermarket. Okay. And then we came back. The and one right over there? there yeah, the, the stop and shop right yeah. over here. And oh, then it's, we, yeah, it's that, it's that is, way, right? It? It's somewhere in that general vicinity. Yeah. I'm not, okay. not going to double check with your compass or anything. Right. But um, when we walked back, instead of coming into our development here, we kept going and we went into the uh, 55 and older development here. Uh, I've got my compass right you now. You do? Oh, thank God. So, I was... I am facing east, east, south. Sounds like the beginning of a techno song. So that way would be south, south, west. Okay. Speaking of techno. um, 220 feet elevation from sea level. Wow, that's it? When I was uh, surfing. I guess we are in a valley. A little bit. As I was surfing uh, some YouTube yesterday. a random video popped up from uh, Strong Bad's email. Yeah, and it was the uh, the techno 
email oh, with the, yeah. the yes. system is down. Yeah, right. the, the system, system is down. down. And then we did not install that light switch so the cheat could have light switch raves. But why don't we crack open that glow stick and put it in Homestar Runners Mountain Dew? Oh my gosh! <laughs> like I'm, 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 I'm deathly afraid of watching more of those videos because I'm going to take all the time that I have now and mm-hmm. just waste it all on that. You need to create a list of stuff to watch over this break. I'm just trying to catch up on the stuff on my DVR. So once you're done with that, right? You've got to watch The Office. Okay. You. You gotta watch Parks and Rec. You gotta watch Superstore. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh my God! I started watching that just the, earlier this week. Funny as hell. So well, Andy great. Samberg is a oh, genius. Oh, he's great. You know um, what he was able to do with you know the Lonely Island and the digital shorts on mm-hmm. SNL and all that stuff is. You know, I still, I still. Uh, listen to throw it on the ground constantly Mm -hmm. you know there are many things that i do throw on the ground yeah like this Mm -hmm. and this and this Mm -hmm. and even this yes you know Um, i'm an adult but yeah i mean now that i have i mean i'm i'm going to be teaching my classes online um with my students right i'm I'm sorry is this where you get sucked into the computer like tron yes yeah we're watching the social media Season 14, episode four, you have have zero zero friends friends of South Park. Yes. So for Um, all you Tron fans out there. That's great. Yeah. Um, Underrated uh, movie? Tron? Yeah. And and Tron Legacy? I don't think it's underrated. Okay. I think those are good movies. It's a shame that they were working on a, a third installment and they shelved it because of the disappointing performance of i think it was tomorrowland with george clooney okay which was a which was a live action disney movie yeah and to me that's that's a shame because you know the the tron universe i think needs another another installment Mm. um i mean they had that but you don't want them to go too far because i'll give you a great example of where that backfired star wars well yeah (laughs) but i mean that's obvious but jurassic park yeah the second one, the first one was pure gold. The second one, okay. The third one, yikes. Yeah. And the latest one? The ones with Chris Pratt. Yeah. yeah hey, we're done. You know, I mean, well, it, it raises a good question. You know, how many of the, there are, there are a lot of movies that they're supposed to be one-offs. They find success and then they have to make one or two sequels, and the sequels are hit and miss. Mm-hmm. And it leads it leads people, you know, in a very extreme direction. Now let me ask you this. Okay. Okay. Because I'm going to tie sportsmanship into Go this. Go ahead. We're, we're, listen, there's no so, sports on right now. I get it. So, is because we were talking about sportsmanship of business. Okay. A while back. Well, at least in the music business. Right. But that can apply to the entertainment in general. I would agree with that. Entertainment business. Yep. So, do you, as a producer, an executive producer or someone, a director or something, at the expense of the fans, create more material for a movie, knowing it's going to be not so great, just to make more money? 
and at disenfranchising the fans? Or do you, as a true fan of your own work, pander to the fans and say, look, I get it. I know what you're after. This is what we're going to do. Right. Because it's sort of a tricky balance because you can, because when you pander to a group of fans, and I'm trying to use Star Wars as an example. Right. You're limiting yourself to a certain niche of or a certain age group because, you know, the Star Wars we grew up with were the original trilogy. Right. And I guess to a certain extent, the prequels as well. Yeah. I Maybe. mean, they came, they came in during when we were teenagers. Right. So. so, I mean, the first Star Wars movie I saw was episode four. Same here. Um, and... I remember when I first watched it, I was seven, eight, seven or eight years old. I was an infant. Um, and um, my dad was the one who showed it to me. He's like, you have to watch this. This is like, this is a classic. This yeah. is, so we watched all the movies. I'm just loving the South Park episode. And, They're playing um, Yahtzee here. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's what I remember. And that's what I grew up with. And that's what I appreciate. But do you create a whole nother generation of fans by doing it differently now? Right. And do you carry it on? So there's like this delicate balance you have to strike. So as a producer, how do you decide? And this is hypothetical. I mean, or not hypothetical. It's at, um, um, rhetorical, right. I guess. Do you, as a producer, take the money and run and say... I'm. I don't care how good the movie is or how bad the I'm movie is. I'm just getting is. paid for this. Um, yeah. We're just making all these toys and marketing, right? At the expense of the quality of the movie, right? Because, in 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 a way, in a way, that's sportsmanship. Because you're you're you're. Do you do what's right? Right. Do you do what's right for the fans? Do you do what's right for the craft, or do you do it just for the money? It's well, you could you could say the ex- same thing from the standpoint of the creator as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be the producer uh, because I look at it similarly when it comes to writing music. Um, you know, I people have asked me, you know, write a song, do this, do that. And I'm like, you know what? I, it, it, For me anyway, it doesn't always work that way. There mm-hmm. has to be an inspiration. There has to have... An know, impetus. The, exactly. The creative juices have to be flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it can't just be like, hey, you've got free time, sit down and write a song. Oh, it does not work. You like know, that. and and so that kind of stuff leads me to believe that there has to be some of that in the creation of these franchises. I mean, look at what happened with J.J. Abrams and the rise of Skywalker. I mean, it's pretty clear from the the news that is available to us now that as a creator, he was taking it in one direction and Disney took it in a different direction. And he did not have the ability to uh, fight that. Well, even some of the actors, Mark Hamill was totally against... What Ryan Johnson did. with, with With what... Brian Johnson had in store for his character. It's the same thing. We're, we were talking about this in my music business class. You know, um, I had the kids read uh, So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star, which was written by uh, Jacob Schlichter, who was the drummer for Semisonic. Mm-hmm. You know, you might know them from their one-hit wonder of Closing Time. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, it was a perfect example of how when you sign with a record label, the artist becomes the puppet of the label. And the label is the one who gets to make the creative calls. It's the artist who just has to produce it. Yeah. And the same thing happened here with, with Star Wars in that the creator of J.J. Abrams did not get to make the final creative calls that the, that the, the, the studio got to make. There, there is an interesting video, and I encourage everyone to watch this. It's, um, it's on YouTube. Let me see if I can search for it. It has to do with the, um, the music from the Marvel movies. Okay. And um, Marvel music um, temp track universe. The Marvel Symphonic Universe, it's called. Okay. It's got 6.9 million views, which I don't think is that many, actually. It should be more. But this person, I uh, forget his name, but he talks about if you watch, he first asks everyone who he's sort of interviewing to sing uh, music from all different kinds of franchises. Can you sing music from the Star Wars franchise? Right. Of course. Dum, bum, ba, da, da, dum. Can you sing music from the James Bond franchise? Wow, we are we are the same person. Yep. Um, but but then, if when asked, can you sing music from a Marvel film? And it's crickets. Really, no one can can come up with anything. Um, there's no theme. I mean, there's no recognizable theme. Right. And the problem is because these composers are under such time constraints. And they're asked by these by the directors and producers to write music that has already recreate music that has already been made for another film like it. Right. And that's called temp temp music. Right. And that the director listens to that temp music so much that that's the music they wind up wanting to have. And so they ask the composer to use that music in the film. And the composer is completely devoid of any unfortunately devoid of any creativity as a result. And the reason why we had these themes in the first place, like the star Wars theme and the James Bond theme is because people took risks and because of those risks, we have recognizable music, right? The problem now is that it's people want to play it safe and they don't want to get too out of whack with it. They don't want to experiment. And, as a result, we have all this music that's sort of whitewashed, yes. and it sounds all the same. Yeah. Can you send that video to me? Can you email it to me? I'll yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I will. I'll text it to you. Oh. Um, but it's really interesting, and you should definitely have. Um, well, my music business students may have just found their, one of their next assignments. Yeah, it's really great. But um, uh, yeah, I, I I totally agree with that, and um, you know, going back to the original point of. Uh, you know, the the creators and whatnot, I would imagine that there are... Scent. Thank you. I imagine that there are people who stuck between a rock and a hard place when it comes to, you know, we didn't know what kind of a success this thing would have. So now we're tasked with making something more. 
and it can either you know it, it's either going to be really good, really bad. I mean, it, it, you just don't know. You're you're basically you know taking something that is had some commercial success and doubling down on it. You know, so for example, take Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Okay, Back to the Future was such a hit in 1985 that they eventually came around and said, "Well, we need to do sequels." Um the studio ordered two sequels to be shot concurrently, basically. And they were released in, I think, 89 and 90. Uh, and as a result of that, hmm. I mean, people looked... Yeah, I guess pe- that's right. Yeah, yeah and, and I think that what happened was, you know, Back to the Future Part Two was really good. And I think people liked it more than Back to the Future Part One. But then Back to the Future Part 3 came out and the response to it was just not as good. But now, in a vacuum, it makes sim- symbolic sense because what you know, if you, if you take the whole thing and kind of circle it around the, uh, the clock tower, mm-hmm. these characters got to witness the beginning and the end of the clock tower, Mm -hmm. you know? So to me, that makes sense to do that. And I understand why they did it. And I thought it was an okay installment by contrast. Was it as good as one or two? Probably not. No, but I mean, people, I think people were genuinely disappointed by that. You know, um, look at the matrix. Okay. The first matrix groundbreaking. Exactly. In, in, in so many different ways, the philosophy behind the matrix was monumental i mean you could you you have books that could be written about it and Mm. and and college classes could be taught was that 99 that was 99 okay okay so then they shoot the sequels again concurrently like they did with back to the future and uh people were kind of like i don't i don't quite get this Mm. you know um and I think that that just raises a new question of was the world ready for it? Mm-hmm. And is was that, was that a situation where they they had a commercial success? Okay, they uh, they created the original movie. The studio said, we want more. They said, okay. And they gave them more, but it just didn't hit the same way. I mean, right. can you can you fault it- the creators for that? I don't think so. You know, I think you it's it's sort of a you you sort of have a tug of war, three way tug of war between the fans, the creators and the producers. Um, Or I guess the brass, you would say, in general, producers, executive producers, so forth, because it's a tricky balance to strike. When Star Wars first came out. Lucas didn't think it was going to be a hit. No, not in at fact, all. it was. It was. It, he thought it was going to just be a total flop, but audiences everywhere loved it, and you know he originally had, you know, because he was relatively new to the filmmaking business and wanted to be like a rogue filmmaker, right. He entrusted the creation of the film to a a team 
and it was more of a collaborative process. Right. Whereas the prequels it was all him. It was all him. Yeah. And he this is where he's gone over to the proverbial dark side. Uh-huh. See what I did there? Yeah. Where, you know, the action figures and the, the Lego sets started coming out before the movies were right. even coming out. And and it was just it was just a big money grab. Um, especially episode I mean, really one, two, and three were a lot like that, but especially with the late like two and three, I feel like you had a huge market there was a huge marketing um build up right with with those prequel movies. And then you have to ask yourself, well, were they I mean, I I I can go either way with the prequels. Yeah. I, I, I liked them to a certain degree. One I did not like at all. Right. Two, meh. Three, okay. You know, three was I guess the best one out of the three. But um and I can appreciate I can appreciate the storytelling aspect of it. It's just the characters were so one dimensional. Well, you know Whereas now with the with the sequels. Right. The story was what sucked, but the characters, the characters were, were pretty good. Yes, if you like, I, like I've said before, if you take the story of one, two, three, and the character development of seven, eight, and nine, you could have the success of four, five, and six. Yes, um, I'm sure I've told you this, and I don't think that uh, I don't think that a lot of people know this, uh, but I, I I I didn't know this until recently. Uh, because I was watching the uh, Star Wars Behind Closed Doors special on the Reels channel, mm-hmm. which is not a channel you watch that often. No. It's not in HD, no. okay? And it's just, you know, you're like, what the hell is this? You know, I'm just surfing, and I saw this Star Wars Behind Closed Doors, like a 90-minute special and whatnot. And the big thing that struck me was that during the original trilogy, 4, 5, and 6, George Lucas was married. He was married to Marsha Lucas, Okay, and Marsha was the sounding board for George. She obviously played a role in the film of, of you know, in the production of it and whatnot. And she was in the credits and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. But the story that was told was that he would present her with the scripts and she would read it and point blank say, this does not work. This is terrible. You need to rewrite this. You know, uh, not so much in a way as if to to tell him that his vision isn't going to work. It's more of a, I see where you're going. I don't think this works, and I think you can do better in this setting with this dialogue. And I think that as a result of that sounding board, you got the characters that you got in four, five, and six, mm. and 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 how it was the perfect masterpiece. Mm-hmm. They divorced. And when he did one, two, and three, Marsha Lucas was not there. There was no sounding board. So as a result of that, there was no person to bounce these ideas off of. And no one was going to question him. No. So it was really, you know, I mean, I, and, and I look at that and I say, okay, that, that to me is all I need to know when it comes down to this. And, and it wasn't until, you know, everything was sold to Disney that obviously Lucas was out and the new creative heads had, you know, 
the different reigns and it became what it is now because no because as long as Lucas was there they weren't going to stand up to him right which is which is ironic because I don't think that George Lucas's personality is such where people would be afraid to stand up to him I think it was more of a respect thing well you, you know, know you know what's interesting if you look at the footage of him and his and um some of the higher ups uh oh gosh who were the guys who worked with them um like the producers Rick McCallum Rick, Rick McCallum um Ben Burt yeah did the, the sound, did the sound and whatnot. yeah who who in him who <laughs> who's also a genius uh, yes rest um, in peace Ben Burt that he, um, he is an amazing amazing mind is he dead yeah he died some time ago I think what yeah no pretty way. sure yeah no yeah are you kidding I'm not kidding Ben? At least I don't think I'm kidding. I hope he wouldn't be kidding. Ben? I mean, the idea that he could have of where to get laser blasts. No, he's still alive. He is? He's 71 years old. Oh, it's Gary Kurtz who died. <sighs> Gary Kurtz, who you is... You scared me sorry. for a second. Gary Kurtz was ben also Bert, a producer. I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, too. It reminds me of when we... when. Uh, Oh my god! On the Michael K show, they you killed off uh, Sidney Poitier when he was not. All, it was just his birthday. Oh my you're, gonna, you're gonna have to go back and edit this, aren't you? You're not gonna edit this. No, I'm no, not gonna. No. Edit it. it was Gary Kurtz who died. Who was a producer? Okay. Kurtz and Bert sound similar, so that's where I apologize. It's kind of like uh, Mertz and Kurtz from uh, I Love Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. You have no idea what I'm talking about. No. No. People need to watch I Love Lucy. I, I've, I've watched it. I just don't remember every uh, little... There was, there was a... There was a uh, Fred Mertz was... Uh, some of his backstory was he was in vaudeville. And he had a... Oh. He had a vaudeville act called Mertz and Kurtz. Okay. And it was Fred Mertz. And I forget what Kurtz's first name was, but they did this this thing. And there was an episode or two with that. And mm-hmm. so... But that's... The fact that I remember that just shows that I need to get out more. But yeah. can't right now. Um, So... Anyway, Star Wars. But but you could see that the meetings that George Lucas had with the other producers and even the people who were just, you know, working on makeup and desi- like costume design and character design, they were all nervous around yeah. them. They didn't speak up or anything. Not at all. I remember I remember things like where they would uh they would be behind you know, behind the camera watching people act and the cameras would be rolling on the behind the scenes part and Lucas would just say, Oh, he's an amazing actor, isn't he? And they were all just like, Yep, yeah, he is. Yeah, you know, and, like, and, no and one Rick, the... you can see Rick McCallum's face like, what yeah. is going on? Um... <laughs> or like the, the, the even the, the the designs like they would, they would have they would have you know artists who would come up with these designs and these sketches and whatnot of characters and setting and Lucas mm-hmm. would come in with a stamp and he would stamp the ones that he thought worked and the ones and and he wouldn't the ones that didn't and people were just like nervous as as all get out because mm-hmm. of this is the day that George Lucas is either going to tell me he likes it or he doesn't like it yeah you know so. It's, it's really, I mean, it's it's not really the way you want to run no. a, a, a movie, to create a movie. It needs to be more collaborative. Absolutely. You have to look at, also look at the actors for their insight on the right. character, you right. know? I mean, ultimately, as, you know, George Lucas has to retain the, the final creative decision, and there has to be a, you know, a, a leader to, um, you know, make the final calls and, and, and ultimately be the the tie-breaking votes and things like that um you know so so i don't think that that in itself is 
you know, inherently wrong. It's more along the lines of, uh, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't be scared of someone because he he happens to be George Lucas, right? You know, but therein lies the sportsmanship because you know he's in a he was in a position where he could have used his position to ask more questions, right. to get more feedback, to you know work as a team, right? Rather than making unilateral decisions, right? So, and I think that's a large reason why the prequels weren't as punchy and weren't as effective as they could have been. I agree. So, so I mean, see, we managed to fit in sportsmanship we do. there. We do. But you also have some stories from Florida. From Florida, yeah. right? Trying to think I guess a, we should get into those. I, we could. Being I mean, that these, we're like 45 minutes listen, into this. <laughs> listen, I, I mean, our audience has to understand that with no sports right now, you know, anything's on the table. Um, mm. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else about these movies. I mean, you 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 asked the question of the sportsmanship of of these producers and these creators and whatnot, and you know, I just I I, I think the ultimate answer is it's a case by case basis where. Uh, you know, you look at you look at some of the situations. You say, "Well, this person had a commercial success, and they were asked to do more, and they did, and it's not their fault that the the sequel was a flop, so to right. speak." You know, um, but you know, it's, it's it's there's so many there's so many intricate parts to that. You know that that you know that that makes you wonder, like, what is the right thing to do there? I mean, mm-hmm. I know, I know as a creator, because. You know, like like I said, we we've both been in situations where we're kind of like, we you can't force this stuff, no matter what the paycheck is, right? You know, and I think that's the problem that that kind of happened with Family Guy, in that, you know, Seth MacFarlane's kind of like tapped out of ideas, and that's why he just kind of gave it over to a new team, and that's you know, and he's like, yeah, I mean, this is a money maker, and people are still going to watch it, and it's still going to get sponsorship and whatnot, and that's great, but. You know, I just I I can't continue to wrap my head around it. So someone else has to take the reins, and when that happens, the artistic integrity begins to to change. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to become bad, and so does the dynamic. Right. You know, that's the other thing too is that you with an with an evolving market, you have to adapt. Right. Because you know your 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 age group that you're appealing to, as we talked about before, is growing. Right. Is growing up, and so you have to kind of take advantage of that, right? Like circling back to South Park. Oh, see, what's his name? The P- chief. Uh, I I forget what his name is, but we're currently watching the episode entitled "Super Fun Time," yeah. season twelve, episode seven. While the kids are on a field trip to a living museum, Carbon makes Butters sneak away from the class to go to an amusement center next door. But unfortunately, the living museum has been overrun by terrorists. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Who still use flip phones? Yeah. <laughs> and have plenty of Burger King. And this is a JG Wentworth commercial. But so it's it's just really funny how like and that's why South Park is so successful is because it evolved with its audience. Well not only and that, it's very topical. No, and not only all of that, the, the original creators have overseen it since day one. And to me, 
that speaks volumes uh, about their genius and 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 their creative minds, uh, and and that they are the ones who ultimately know how this show is supposed to go, and they've seen it be successful before, and it's going to continue to be successful as a result of that. You know, with something like Family Guy, when a when a creator, uh, you know, stops playing with the with the reins and turns it over it becomes something i mean look at star wars it's the exact yep. same thing when george yep. lucas you know tapped out mm-hmm. you know the next thing you know it, it is you know you're trying to write in the style of george lucas mm-hmm. but it's not george lucas right. you know it's kind of like in music i'm sure you've had this as a student too where you've been tasked with assignments where you have to write a piece in the style of somebody. Oh, yeah. And you're like, that's that's next to impossible because how am I supposed to be creative and use my own creative juices and, and creativity here and yet channel the, the stylistic tendencies of someone who is not me? Right, you know that, and and that would be that was always my argument when people would would ask me to do those assignments. I would just say, listen, I think that this type of an assignment does not properly assess my ability to comprehend this because what you're doing is you're asking me to clone someone else's style using my own uh, ingenuity. And that, to me, does not create a clone that creates, in essence, a love child. It creates something where this, you know, I, if, if this person's style melds with my person's style and it becomes a completely third style. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can't uh, necessarily, you know, properly assess people and their understanding of a certain style by doing that because you... But you ostensibly, know, you're... you're you are doing that to learn about how that particular composer used certain tactics right. in their music writing. For example, when I was in grad school, one of the toughest assignments actually was to write a a th- uh, two-part fugue um, in the style of J.S. Bach. Okay. Johann Sebastian Bach. And I know how I, I would know his music of if I listened to it, of course, but but when you sit down and write it, you know, the 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 my my comp my counterpoint, it was for counterpoint class. Um Jason Martineau was was my teacher, and he's a well-known expert in counterpoint and composition and wrote a lot of books and he's very famous on the West coast, but he was very nitpicky about certain things I did. And it was sort of refreshing to me because I wasn't, I wasn't used to that. I wasn't used to being nitpicked on certain things. He's like, well, make this note go this way and make this note go that way and make them, you know, move in contrary motion and, do all of this and, you know, without getting too much into the weeds with it. Um, it really made me think about how Bach wrote, but also sort of influenced my writing a little bit. Well, so it was sort of, it was a learning experience, but also a growing I experience think, with my own composition. Well, not only that, I think what's important there is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
the method that he used, which I think promotes good sportsmanship, is such that you you know you you did the assignment. He offered suggestions, and al- did he allow you to then basically like resubmit with his suggestions? Yes. See that I'm doing that for the first time this semester with in my jazz arranging and composing, jazz and commercial arranging class, where students submit something, and then they have the opportunity to take the the suggestions that I make, and then you know do their own thing with it and and make it better and i'm slowly understanding that that is the essence of good sportsmanship in our line of work with mm-hmm. that because you're not basically just telling a student either you did this right or you didn't do this right you're trying to guide them along the path to to understanding how to how to grasp this concept and you're using applicable uh, ways of of trying to get them to understand it, and 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 what and, and just to me, it's like, why didn't we think of this before? Why didn't I think of this before? That that to me is the essence of good sportsmanship when it comes to education at this level. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's a learn. Yeah, it's a learning experience, as with most cases, as with all cases of sportsmanship. You're learning how to grow as a person right. and how to improve your craft. Right. Um, and one of the arguments that I that I that I say when it comes to education regarding music is, you know, I'll I'll often be told, well, I don't know how I don't have to know how music works. I don't have to know how this works in order to write music or play music. And I'm like, yeah, but would you cross a bridge created by an engineer who didn't know anything about physics? Right. Would you trust a heart surgeon to operate on you without knowing about the human anatomy? Would you trust a lawyer to defend you when they don't know anything about law? Right. Or an accountant to do your taxes who doesn't know anything about math? No. I wouldn't want that. Right. I would want someone who understands the basic elements of their craft. Right. You know, to to educate me or to help me, and, and that's and that's and that's the case with music. I mean, okay, you can still create music without knowing how music works, I guess, but it's not going to be as impactful. Right. It's not going to be as organized. It's not going to be as. It's not going to get the message across the same way as someone who would know about music theory. You're ultimately playing the role of something like like a stunted placeholder. I remember yeah. I remember um, when I was in undergrad and I was in a big band, uh, we had to bring in a ringer to play the lead alto part. And, you know, he ultimately would, would just, when people would ask him, like, what are you doing over these changes and this, that, the other, he would just say, listen, I'm not paying attention to it at all because I don't understand it. And we would look at it. Or I would look at the situation at the time and I'd be kind of lost and I'd look at it now and I'd say, you know what? Well, music is not his main thing, okay? He's a good player. Mm-hmm. He obviously can fill the role that we need. Um, and and that's fine for our, for the purposes of producing what we need to produce. But for the per- but if we were to try and learn from him, if we were you know the, it would be it would be tough because I can't I wouldn't be able to learn from somebody who, doesn't understand the changes, mm-hmm. you know? Um, 
there, there might be other things I could learn from him, you know, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't try and learn from somebody who doesn't, you know, who doesn't claim to understand this stuff, right. you know, and, and, and again, that's not, that's not meant to put anybody down. I mean, obviously when you consider music as we consider it in these times, you know, it's considered non-essential and whatnot. So it's not, which any, I disagree with. Right. I think music, we need music now more than ever. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it is a, of course it's an art, it's a form of communication, but it's a, it's an outlet for so many people and it's, it's meant to soothe the soul. Oh, I agree. I mean, believe me, I think it absolutely is essential. I agree. It's essential too. But but society doesn't think that. Right. That's, that's that, a huge problem. I, and I understand that. I mean, listen, with the way that the the government is running things right now, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue because you don't really have a lot of leverage there. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell people like, you know, listen, it's, the life is going to go on if we eliminate gigs right. You know, right now. I, you know, as much as I don't like that. Well, I always put this challenge to people and anyone listening is you don't realize how important something is until it's gone. Right. So what you should do is don't listen to the radio. Don't listen to your iPhone. Don't listen to any music. Mute your TV. Mute the movie. Uh, turn off all sound. And, and you'll miss it. Give it two days. Yeah. You will miss music. That you will. You will miss sound. You will miss music. Um, and it's just really, you know, it's pretty incredible. I, I um, tell this story, too. There, there's a, in upstate New York, there's a, um, uh, uh, I think it's at Syracuse or Ithaca. There's a anechoic chamber mm-hmm. where they test sounds. Right. And it's so quiet there. There's one in Minnesota as well. There's only a handful, I think, in the country. But an anechoic chamber is just a, a completely silent chamber right. with all this the sound absorbing material, the floor, the walls, ceiling. And you can't you you can hear yourself talk, but it's like your 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 head is in a pillow, but right. there's like ten feet of space all around you. And it, it gets so quiet in there, you can hear your own blood rushing through your veins. That's, that's how quiet that's... it is. And then when you get reintroduced to to the outside, you you have to walk through a couple sets of doors to slowly acclimate. Back into it. At, yeah. Or you suffer from obtuse hearing loss. Yeah. Because you're, it's so anything is loud right. to you after that quietness. So that's, it's really interesting. It's scary to think about, too, yeah. you know? Very, very cool, yeah. very cool experience. But so have we have we tapped this this out with uh, with uh, all the things we've been talking about so far? We should we finally get into the sportsmanship of the stuff? Well, I mean, we talked about sportsmanship. I know, but should we get into the examples oh, right. from from your Florida yeah. trip? Yeah, we're an hour in. We're about an hour in. Listen, people, I don't have anything else to do right now. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so so sports wise, as we're in Florida. Um, we got to six out of the seven spring training games that mm. we planned to go to before everything shut down. Um, we got to uh, three Yankee games and three Red Sox games. 
and uh, they were all really fun. Uh, weather was pretty good the entire time. I think really the only problem we had, the only we had, I think we had two problems with weather at the first game, which was in Bradenton when we went to see Yankees at Pirates. Uh, I missed a couple of spots with the sunscreen. So I got a little burnt, but that was mm. that was okay. And then the next day, when we were in Tampa for Braves at Yankees, um, the seats we had were uh, not covered, but the sun was not on us at all. So a little bit of breeze, and you're freezing the rest of the day. Mm. So, but it was it was it was a great experience from the, from from a baseball standpoint. We got to a bunch of new stadiums that we had not been to last year. They're all beautiful. Mm. Um, you know, the, the the quaint nature of the parks and where they fall in the communities uh, is, is very peaceful and serene. Like when you go to Bradenton, you're in a neighborhood, and then boom, there's a ballpark. You're like, the heck is this, mm. you know? Um, uh, in uh, Same thing in, in Clearwater with the Phillies. Uh, another beautiful ballpark. The thing about that I liked about Clearwater is that uh, you can literally walk around the entire stadium. You you know like there's there's a walkway that goes mm. all the way around, so you could you could walk out down the left field line, make a right, and walk all the way around to the right field line, and then back. like a lot of stadiums don't have that. They don't have mm. the ability to do that for whatever reason, mm. and um, that I thought was really like cool. you can like just. Like right next to the field, or just within the stadium. Within the stadium, okay. It's you know, I mean, now granted, out in the outfield, there are not a lot of seats. There's the berm out there, so you mm. can go in with a beach towel and sit on the grass and watch the grassy the, knoll. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the idea that you can have that walkway all around, I thought was really cool. Um, we went to Northport, mm. which is the new home of the Atlanta Braves. Let me tell you that ballpark let me tell you brand new mm. beautiful wow. absolutely beautiful the problem is that they have not developed the area significantly enough i think what they're trying to do is make it again it's like a, it's like a community where there are houses all around and I don't, I don't know if it's meant to be like a 55 and older or what but you know um you know there's just a lot of nothing out there except roads and all of a sudden boom there's a ballpark Mm. And you're like, where did this come from? But the stadium is gorgeous. Mm. Um, Amenities when, all nice. Oh, yeah. Um, at the stadiums, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just fantastic. Um, you know, they. I, I just, I don't think you can go wrong when it goes to spring training. It's just, mm. it's so peaceful. You know, it is the epitome. It's relaxed. It's it's the epitome of sportsmanship. Mm -hmm. It's professional baseball in an environment where people understand that the outcome of the game doesn't matter. You know, um, which it should be really the way all the time. Well, not only that, I think I think when it when in in professional sports during the regular season, etc. You know, the reason that it matters is because of money and because of marketing. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, you know. Um, doesn't matter who wins a title. You know, the title winner just gets more money than the loser. Um, and I think that 
that's something that we have to put into perspective a bit more is that, yeah, we want the games to be played fairly, but we also want people to realize it's not the end of the world. These, you know, the, these athletes are getting paid millions of dollars regardless. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it was just breathtaking. Um, we went back to, uh, Tampa, you know, where the Yankee Stadium where we were last year, George M. Steiner, Brenner Field. We went back to JetBlue Park at Fenway South. Mm-hmm. Um, we went back to Port Charlotte for the Rays. We didn't. The one we didn't get to was uh, Hammond Field for the Twins. That was the one that was canceled mm-hmm. uh, as a result of everything. That was our neutral game. All the the first six games were either Yankee games or Red Sox games mm-hmm. for me and Caitlin, and that game was going to be um, Orioles at Twins. So we didn't have mm-hmm. a, we didn't have a dog in that fight. So. Mm-hmm. But that stadium is probably one of the most beautiful stadiums down there, mm. Hammond Field. So, again, as in the organ, Hammond. Uh, I mean, it's the same spelled the same okay, way. Okay, spelled yeah. the same way. But uh, I think it's the CenturyLink Sports Complex. Uh, but if you know, I, I cannot recommend it enough. Mm. If you have the opportunity to go down to to Florida or Arizona for spring training, make a vacation out of it. Mm. Make it a long vacation. Um, you will not regret it because it's just peaceful. It's serene, hmm. you know, you, and, and you have plenty of time to do other things too. You know, um, you schedule, if you schedule it out properly, I mean, and tickets are pretty affordable. I right? mean, I think the most we paid, we paid probably about a hundred bucks for, I think like the Yankee tickets. Um, but I mean, I was looking at, because we were, I was looking at the refund for the, the twins tickets and whatnot. And you know, like the pirates tickets were like 40 bucks total. You know, it's just, you, you, you just, but you're there to just have a good time. Exactly. It's really not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to a bunch of different breweries and, uh, oh, that's nice. that was really cool. It was funny. Um, when we left, um, Lecom park, which is the one in Bradenton where the pirates play, there's a brewing company literally right on the other side of the street in this neighborhood. I mean, again, you, it looks like a house. It looks, there's, mm. you know, okay. Darwin Brewing Company. Very good beer. Very mm. good beer. So we go in we, we, and we have a couple of drinks and uh, we, we, we get up to leave. And it's probably about an hour after the game at this point. And uh, I, we're walking out and I look over and who's walking in but Brian Hoke who is the beat writer for the Yankees for MLB.com. Oh. And I and I you know I, I had you know I had two drinks over the course of the hour so I was like did I just see Brian Hogan by the time like you do the double take you know he's walking in and you're just like it'd be weird to yell at him now or whatnot. So, oh, you should have said something. Well, what I did was when I got back to my hotel room, I was on Twitter and uh he had tweeted that he was going to go live on WFAN at a certain time. So I, I replied to his tweet and I said, is that before or after you walked into Darwin Brewing Company? And I said, I saw you walking in and I was like, did I just see Brian Hoke? And he tweeted back with a wave and said, you did see me. Oh. So so that I thought that was really nice. You know, you don't want, I mean, these are just people like anybody right. else just trying to mind their business and whatnot. But uh it, it just it, I thought it was just cool to I'm sure he's a cool guy yeah, though. I'm, sh- I'm sure all of them are cool guys and they respect you and you mm-hmm. know and they're just like hey we're just writers doing our job and yeah. whatnot as long as you don't go crazy it's fine right. you know um yeah so so uh, Yankee State uh, George M Steinbrenner Field was a lot nicer remember last year like that was the one where the I felt like the the least 
help with the, with Caitlin in her wheelchair, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a lot better this year. Um, again, people are very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it really was just a good experience. Um, some of the sportsmanship stuff that I wanted to bring up. Um, first of all, when you go to these games, you end up sitting next to people who are complete strangers, and they'll strike up a conversation with you about anything. And we made some good friends that way. Mm. Um, when we went to Lecom Park in Bradenton, we sat next to an older couple um, who were from right outside of Columbus, Ohio. And um, they're Pirates fans, and they came down, and we were chatting with them the whole time, and they were very, very nice, very pleasant. Um, and when we went to Clearwater uh, to see Yankees Phillies, we we and we ended up sitting next to people who worked at Westchester University, and then yeah. we we became friends with them. And Caitlin and and the wife exchanged numbers, and we're going to get together sometime soon. She actually works in the dean's office for uh, the music department. Great. So again, it was, it was such a small world. We ended up running into my cousin at at Clearwater. Really? They posted a picture of their their daughter. And Caitlin was like, are you guys in Clearwater at the Phillies-Yankees game? And we ran into them. So we spent time with them. When we went to Northport, there were two guys sitting behind us who were from this area from New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And they lived in some of the towns that I've worked in before. So we ended up chatting with them the whole game. When we went to uh, JetBlue for the Red Sox game, I ended up sitting next to the retired dean from uh, UMass at Amherst. You know, um... We went to the Rays game with some friends that we had known from up here. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, it just it was just pleasant all around. That's good. Um, so you made some contacts. Yeah, I mean, it was. Just, but but you know what? It's just nice to run into people who understand basic humanity. Yeah, you know, who understand that. You know, without and life is not meant to be like a one hundred percent party, but to a degree, they're laid back enough to say like. There are more important things in life. Yeah. We should be able to relax, have yeah. fun, yeah. you know, get to know people and cherish those experiences and those relationships, you know, more than more than anything else. Right. Uh, when I was at the um, the Braves game at, at uh, Northport, they were playing the Red Sox and they, they had a couple of things that the PA announcer did that I texted you immediately and I had to share them. So I don't know if they do this at Braves games in Atlanta, and I probably should have researched this more, but in between, I think the third inning, I think it was in the third inning, in between innings, they had uh, a hat wave. And basically what the the, the idea was, the camera panned around and and got people up on the Jumbotron and Mm -hmm. whatnot, and they said, everybody take your hats off and wave them, whether you're a Braves fan or not. And this is our way of saying we're all in the same game together. It doesn't matter who you root for. We all are baseball fans. And we need to remember that and cherish that mm-hmm. above anything else. Yeah. And, and as they're doing that, I was, I was touched. I was like, I can't believe that they would recognize that yeah. at a professional game like this. Yeah. You know, that to me spoke everything mm-hmm. without having to say much at all. Right. And then at the end of the game, um, 
you know, the way that the PA announcer did like the recaps and whatnot, it mm-hmm. was there was a lot of, you know, hey, take your time to, you know, cherish your loved ones and your and your memories. It doesn't matter what team you root for. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all here to experience baseball together and whatnot. Right. And I was I was just floored. I was like, I cannot believe that they would do this. Mm-hmm. That to me is is taking a huge step in the right direction with with trying to impart wise words on fans. Yeah. You know? Um well, I think that goes with the whole aesthetic and the whole feel of spring training. And and I hate to you know I hate to put spring training in a separate bin proverbial bin from rest of the season. A bucket, if you will. A bucket. Yeah. But it just seems like I'm sorry. I'm, oh, what's this? This, this is, is the uh, fat butt and pancake head. Season seven, episode five. I think that's. Is this Jennifer Lopez yes. on his hand? Cartman is forced to deal with the pressures of stardom. Yeah, I yeah. Think, yeah. <laughs> this is back from 2003. Oh my gosh! When Jen- he he has Jennifer Lopez yeah, on his hand. That's great. And he turns into Mitch Connor. We just <laughs> and we were just talking about yeah. it too. Oh uh, my god! It's like it's like the it's like the TV is listening to us. Oh yeah. So. But what I was saying about spring training in the regular season is that um, they're so different. It's You think about it, too, with regard to the spring training. Everyone's so close together. Yeah. And I guess it just, like, the teams are in proximity they're close together look at arizona every team is within 15 minutes of each other yeah you know in in florida it's a little bit different i mean you've got some longer rides and whatnot but Mm -hmm. uh i mean but still you're all in the same state yeah you know and it sort of speaks volumes to the community that's developed as a result of spring training i mean you good and what what i was gonna say is that you kind of wish that this would continue through throughout the regular season this this attitude you know i think that to a certain degree it does we just don't know about it as fans and the reason i say that is because when you watch a spring training game okay like espn is doing all these things now where they're miking up players you know we're laughing at jennifer lopez on cartman's hand right now um but uh, I mean, they they do things where like these players have the mics on and whatnot. And they, I saw one; I think it was actually on like Fox Sports Detroit, where they they jumped on the bandwagon, and um, they had one of their players who was mic'd up with an earpiece go up to MLB umpire Hunter Wendelstedt, who um, I believe wears a sleeve number twenty one. You know, yeah, exactly. And uh, and and Joe West was behind the plate. So during the while the game was live, he was asking. They were asking questions like from the booth down to the player to Hunter and whatnot, like about Joe West's music career. Like, does Joe West sing in the locker room? And Hunter's like, yeah, he doesn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's you great. know, I mean, these they 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 develop such a camaraderie, and you can see that. Um, on the ball field, you can see umpires, you know, shaking hands and patting people on the back and laughing and, you know, and whatnot. And, and it's it's so good. Like I, like, I thought one of the best parts was, and I was texting you about this when we were at the Red Sox game. Red Sox are playing the Cardinals. And 
Tim Timmons is behind the plate. Okay, mm-hmm. our good buddy Tim Timmons, who we don't know, but he's our good buddy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and I think after after the 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 first inning, uh, you know, it, they they change baseballs in the big league game so frequently. A ball hits the dirt, they change it out. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, so third out of an inning, whoever has it, they take the ball off, they give it to a fan, and the umpire throws a new ball out to the to the mound for the next pitcher. Mm-hmm. So Timmons takes a ball out of his out of his ball bag and he basically like rolls it up. I think he might have like shot it like a basketball or but you know, but basically like 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 he's playing golf, trying to get it into the hole uh in front of the pitcher's rubber on the mound. Mm. And he does it he, in the first time. And Fans who are like right by the dugout who can see it, they start applauding him. And he comes over and he like tips his That's cap like he's playing golf. And one of, one of the first base coaches came over and was like applauding him, like That's great, great shot, man. You know, like they get it. Yeah. They realize what this is. They realize mm-hmm. that this is that this is meant to be a game and this is meant to right. be entertainment. You know what I love with during rain delays? Uh-huh. When the players slide across the Oh yeah. Because what else is there to do? Exactly. You know? But it's a problem when, you know, you have these coaches and, and general managers who are afraid they're going to get injured right. doing it. Right. And I'm like, yeah. just let them have fun. Yeah. I know it's, I, I get it, but, you know, they're, they're, they're just having a good time. Exactly. Exactly. They, they, they understand that at the crux of this is entertainment. Yeah. And that the fans are paying good money to be there. And if they can put a smile on their faces... They're going to do it. We use the example of the Tampa Bay Rays versus Yankees with Nick Swisher pitching. Exactly. You know, he got a strikeout. Right. And he wanted to keep the ball. Right. And, you know, when they ask all the the players in the locker room after, and the Yankees, what, they lost, what, 15 to three, something something like like, that. Some ridiculous number. And it was like, what, 13 innings or something. And they're asking all the players and... And Swisher was just having a great time. Right. And Posada was like, no one was having fun. Right. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. You know, it was what the be- was it the beginning of the season? Yeah. Like they hadn't even gotten to uh, their first first home stand. Right. Like, they just they got killed in like this fifth game of the season. Like, come on. Yeah. Just like let enjoy, the, let let people have fun. Right. I mean, the proper response to that is, listen, it's not what you want. Thank you, Joe Girardi. You know, mm-hmm. it's not. It's it's obviously. If, if but if Swisher wants to have a good time doing it. It is what it is. Right. You know, it's life. Um, The other thing that I wanted to point out, when I was at Port Charlotte, um, so the umpire's dressing room is on the concourse level of the stadium. So when the umpires leave the dressing room and go to the field, they literally have to get security to escort them along the concourse, Mm -hmm. down the stands, and onto the field. And our seats, I was this close to four umpires, okay, as they're walking by. Uh, Chad Fairchild had the plate, and the three base umpires were Brian O'Nora. Uh, Numbers? Bill Wel- okay, so Chad Fairchild <laughs> is number four. Bill Welke is number three. Brian O'Nora is number seven. And Will Little is 93. Yeah, I know, I know. So as they're as so as they're walking by, I'm like shell-shocked. Like, I've never been this close to a major league umpire before. Mm. Like it's like it's like you're meeting your your idols. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh my god. Mm. Um, so during the game, 
there were two great instances. So the the players were all doing really good jobs of making sure, the, and the coaches were as well, of making sure that kids got baseballs as, as right. souvenirs, okay? And um, there's this one kid about two rows in front of us who kept trying to get one and he couldn't get it. So Brian Onora, who was at third base for innings four, five, and six, saw that. And in between innings, he he called out to Chad Fairchild for a ball. And he threw it down to him. And Onora went over to him and gave him the ball and said, like, you know, I, I couldn't hear what he was saying, but he was saying things like, hey, you got to promise never to boo umpires or things like that, mm-hmm. you know, whatnot. Gave him a fist pump and whatnot. And and we were applauding him. We are just, you know, yeah. and, I, and I screamed out to him. I was like, way to go, Brian. Like, you know, because... Umpires, you know, just want to be doing their job, right? You know, but I wanted him to know that I respected him, and I know him. I respect him enough to know his name as an informed fan, you know. So then, a couple of innings later, right, like the last inning that Onora was at third, this screaming line drive comes down near us, and this one fan reaches out his hand to protect people, and it goes off his wrist. And I swear, I thought it broke his wrist, and I don't think it did, but. He, he he made other people safe. And I think the ball actually ricocheted off a couple of people and they had to get a some... A fan did this? Yeah. Had to get some medical help for some of these people and whatnot. And, they, and they're all okay. Um, but Onora saw that. And at the end of that half inning was when they were going to rotate again. And Bill Welke was going to come over next. So again, so Onora called out to Fairchild for another ball. And uh, when the umpires met, in the field in between innings, he, you know, he told Welke, go give this ball to that guy. He just took one off the wrist, you know, as a way to make him feel better and whatnot. Mm. So Welke goes over and said, and, and starts, gives him the ball and starts sharing war stories with him. Starts saying like, you should have seen me. I took one off of the foot at Yankee stadium. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, I remember that game. I remember mm-hmm. that game. I don't remember who they were playing, but I remember seeing Welke at second base when he took a line drive off his foot mm-hmm. and and whatnot. And I'm like, oh my god! I mean, mm-hmm. you know, these worst. And I, I was like, I was so touched by these umpires to know that, you know, this is that their job is to help people as well, right? You know, in the in the way that they can. They say uh, helping people is an easy call, mm-hmm. you know. And he gave this guy the ball, and again, you know, these 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 guys get it. And then as they're walking off, right past us again, guys are trying to like give them high fives and they can't touch. And I'm sure it's because of Corona as well and mm. whatnot, you know. So they're just trying to keep their heads down and keep moving. But the guy, my friend who I was with is a retired umpire. And we were both standing and applauding them and saying thank you and congratulating them. And they, they can't really acknowledge us. They kind of just want to get back to their dressing room. Um, and I didn't want to do anything that was like, you know, that put makes them feel any more awkward than they probably already do walking through the stands or anything like that. But you just, your, your heart goes out to them because mm. they're doing a thankless job right. and without them, we don't have baseball. Yeah. You know, um, the one instance of bad sportsmanship at this game was that same game, same game. Um, there were a lot of Red Sox fans at this game because Red Sox fans travel, and also because the distance between Port Charlotte and Fort Myers is about an hour, so it's very easy for Red Sox fans who are in Fort Myers to get over to Port Charlotte. And uh, at one point, um, you know, people were starting to get the "Let's Go Red Sox" chant going, and as a result of that, there were some Rays fans 
who started the opposite chant, but they said, let's go cheaters because the Red Sox are obviously still un under investigation. Um, and I thought that that was very unfortunate that I was like, listen, you know what? If they want to be here and cheer their own team on, that's fine. They're just cheering for your own team as opposed to against the other team is perfectly acceptable. Right. You know, you don't like it by the tickets so that they can't come, but it's spring training. Who cares? So I thought that was kind of unfortunate. And then I, I was forwarded. I think Caitlin actually sent me this one. The Astros went to a spring training facility. I can't remember which one. Uh, and as they walked onto the field to start their warmups, the PA started uh, playing uh, Ace of Bases, I Saw the Sign, mm. you know, as if to get in another jab, yeah. you know, and I was just like, really, you know, not really necessary, you know, I mean, it is what it is with that. And obviously the world has taken a major turn since then. We've all kind of forgotten about it to a certain degree, mm -hmm. um, but you know, the, those are the types of things that we, we saw and witnessed before baseball and the sports world shut down. Um, but yeah, that was, that was Florida. Mm. And uh, I'm happy to say that I learned how to ride a Segway without injuring myself. Oh, they're fun. Yeah. Um, do you know that they're much cheaper and affordable now? Yeah. I didn't realize that they're now like a thousand bucks. Yeah, before they were like what ten? seven seven thousand. Yeah. The guy Segway Pete is his name, and he runs the tour. Oh. He's actually he's actually a retired uh, Canadian who was a Blue Jays fan. Yeah. <laughs> a retired Canadian, exactly. So he's not Canadian anymore. He's, oh, he's, just, he's just really nice and apologetic. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I Sorry. I worked my whole life as a Canadian. Now I've retired from Canada. Exactly. I can live in Florida now. I've retired. I've retired from being a Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, when you say it like that, Sean, you make me out to be a racist. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, but he was telling us like Segways were about seven thousand dollars, and now these newer models are about a thousand dollars, and they're much mm -hmm. lighter and cheaper and and more mobile and whatnot. So it was it was interesting to do that. And uh, you know what I like those ones without the handlebars. The Oh, oh, they always look like unicycles to a certain degree. But yeah, but they're they still have the two wheels. Yeah. You, you you lean forward. Yeah, it's like a, what are they called? I don't know what they're called. I got a neighbor who I think has one. They're fun. Really, I I feel like I would need the handlebars. You really don't. Really? Because for me, I'm like no, I don't trust myself. I I am I am very not coordinated. So I would definitely try and use the handlebars. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we rented a boat. Um. We went from Segway Pete to Salty Sam's, mm. all in the same area of Fort Myers Beach, which is uh, incredibly difficult to get to because they only have one bridge and the beach area is obviously, you know, bombarded with people, mm -hmm. but beautiful. Absolutely. They, on the Segway tour, they, the Segway Pete showed us a house that was about 15,000 square feet. He goes, you know who lives there? The guy who invented the USB. The USB port for computers. Really? Yeah. Oh. It was there. So it's like, yeah, we well, got one great idea. You can get a 15,000 square feet house. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's Salty Sam's. We rented a pontoon last year. This year, the pontoon that they reserved for us broke down, so they upgraded us free to a uh, chaparral. What's a chaparral? It's a, it's like a smaller... It's, it looks like a normal boat, but it's a small version of one. And it's it's cool, <laughs> it's a, man. It's a tiny boat? It's a t it's, but, but it feels like a full-size boat. 
you would you would look at it and go, that is a full size boat. So did you pretend you were Roger Moore in? Uh, I have the pictures and the video. Live and let die. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I literally like we we took it out to the Gulf of Mexico, and you you get up to like full speed. The Gulf of Mexico. The Gulf or you, the Gulf? Did I say Gulf? You said Gulf. You want to go? You want to go uh, shoot some shoot some some get on the shoot links? some hoops? Yeah. Wow, <laughs> I am so lost. I would love to go. Yeah. In fact, they encourage golf. I, I'm totally down with it but yeah. anyway so i'm roger moore yeah and i'm the whole time i'm doing it i'm thinking i'm i'm roger moore from live and let die mm. and whatnot it was really really cool i mean should have called me i would have come down there and been like one of the henchmen yeah <laughs> like moonraker yeah exactly like, like wear a yeah. yellow jumpsuit yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's moonraker that's not live and let die you're off by a couple of years that's all right it's still boat chase yeah da bum Wow, we are we are problematic. <laughs> Bond ripped off one of our boats. Wasn't that said, James Bond's theme? Yeah, that was written the, by, by John Barry. By John that Barry. That was the called it 007 as opposed to the James Bond theme. Mm. And he introduced that in From Russia with Love mm -hmm. because Bond needs two theme songs. Right. And in Moonraker was the last. Yep, and it was a little slower, a little bit mm. more majestic, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, we are nerds. Oh, sure. We are. are absolute nerds. So yeah. So what else did we do? Um, the so we stayed at the uh, Tampa Hilton the first three nights where mm -hmm. we were last year, and it was it was really good last year. This year it was a little subpar only because I think that you know we kind of went down around um, spring break time. You're looking at Jennifer Lopez and mm -hmm. Cartman's hand in the mm -hmm. hospital bed here. Yeah. So there was a lot of spring breakers. There was like some sort of conference going on and whatnot. So I think they were a little overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like we went in one night. It was like we want, we went back to our room at like five o'clock after a game. And we were like, um, housekeeping still hasn't been here. You know, we were like, yeah. what, what's going You know, the breakfast orders were not always perfect. It was yeah. just a little, you know. So it is what it is. Uh, but then we went to, and now... He's waking up with Ben Affleck in his bed. <laughs> um, then when we went to Fort Myers, uh, we stayed at the Westin. And we didn't realize this when we booked it. This was like a full resort and hotel. Hmm. We pulled in. It, we went We went after um, the doubleheader. We started that day in Clearwater and then drove from Clearwater to Northport. And we saw the two games that day. And when we got to the hotel, it was probably about 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night. And we drive in and we're like, it's like we're driving into a complex. And we're, we, we, we we're like, this can't be right, can it? We check in, they take us in. We had, like, we booked a suite. And we were like, mm. this is, this is the, like, the average room? We walk into our room, full kitchen. Full living room and dining room, mm. full bedroom, glorious bathroom. Mm -hmm. We were like, it, balcony, screened-in balcony with 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 patio furniture mm. and and uh, fans outside, mm. facing the lake. And the the lake looked like the scene from Live and Let Die. Great. Okay, like perfect. Excellent. You know, um, I thought gators were going to come and get me. You yeah. know, um, but. Oh my God, the Weston! I, I I don't have any problem giving them a pop, and I don't. I mean, the Hilton I didn't have a problem with really either. I'd go back there too, but the Weston in Fort Myers, if you get a chance, go. 
they've got like three restaurants there, mm-hmm. pool where you can get all the refreshments you want. Indoor, outdoor? In, outdoor pool. Three outdoor pools, actually. Oh, wow. uh, outdoor restaurants, a full like shopping area, mm-hmm. like a lot of different stores there, um, a candy, like fudge shop. You can get ice cream and fudge and things like that. Mm. Um, you could rent bikes. You could, like, it was just, they had a full marina there. It, it was glorious. Mm. Absolutely glorious. We're now at the part of this episode where uh, Jennifer Lopez in Cartman's hand turns into Mitch Connor. <laughs> um, and it's just odd here, but uh, uh, genius nonetheless. This is. Just yeah. This is, I think, on my top five. It's, it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I would. I would definitely go back there in a heart. We went to some of our favorite restaurants again. Uh, I want to give a pop to Mina's Bistro mm. in um, in Fort Myers. They are a mix of um, Italian and Latin food. Oh. And sounds great. And I and I told him, and we had the same waiter from last year. And I said to him, like, I remember you from last year. And he obviously is like. Listen, I don't really care, you know, but, right. but, but I'm just, I'm, he's humoring me mm-hmm. and whatnot. But um, I said, I said, the, the meals here are so good. This makes our vacation, you know, and it's little compliments like that, that I think can, you know, make or break a day. Sometimes. What'd you order? I had Mina's chicken, which is like an Italian prepared chicken with like some, um, some artichoke hearts mm. and some red peppers and what, oh my God, it was just to die for. Mm. Split a bottle of wine and just dessert. Mm. The soup was like a lobster bisque with like it was a red pepper lobster bisque. Mm. Oh my god, it was it was it was just sounds good. It was amazing. We went back to the Mellow Mushroom. Yes. Okay. Which here in Tom's River, not that good, but in Fort Myers, Florida, excellent. Um. You know, just the the mushroom. Sh- mushroom Things are cheaper soup. down there too. Yeah, right? to a degree they are. Um, where else did we go? We went to the World of Beer, which has like. Do you really there last year? We were not at the World of Beer last year. Oh, okay. that was that was one of the places we hung out before we went back to the airport. And again, just they had so many beers on tap. Fantastic food and beer selections. Mm. Um. We went to a little Italian place with our friends before we went to uh, the Rays game. Really, really good Italian food as well. I mean, and and they were ta- they they they're snowbirds, so they split their time in Port Charlotte and then in LBI now. And he tells me like, you know, listen, you can't get Italian food down here like you would in you know in Trenton and and that area and whatnot. But it, it's okay, you know, it holds you over. Right. Um. Where else did we eat? We went to uh, we went to Cooper's Hawk, which is a wine bar in in Tampa. Mm. Um, had we, we we had this cheese plate that had uh, this like candied bacon that was that was to die for, and I mm. had the, this risotto dish that was amazing. And you know, you just try all these different wines. Like the whole thing was just. Did you do any golfing? No, we were thinking about it, and. I think that if games had been canceled earlier, we probably would have, mm-hmm. you know, um, by the time we got to the last day and there was just that one day where we had no games, it was kind of like, okay, we just kind of have one day. Let's 
go to the pool, relax a little bit, and then just go and get some food and, mm-hmm. you know, take it easy. Um, the, but, yeah, the Westin was, they had two huge flat screen TVs in, in the room. You had room mm-hmm. service. You had breakfast up there every day. I mean, mm-hmm. I, when we got back to the room one night, I called for room service dessert just to surprise Caitlin. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, just a delectable piece of chocolate cake. And mm-hmm. so it was, which episode is this now? This is, oh, this is the Aspen one where where they go to oh, the timeshare. Time yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. were talking about that yep, one too. That we were. That we were. Oh man. So pizza, french fries. Pizza, french fries. I'm hungry. Yeah, me too. We should probably wrap this up and go get some food. Yeah. Get some takeout. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Um but yeah, so that's kind of our rambling. Okay. Um I guess we should conclude with this. Uh so our plan Welcome back, everyone. Yes. Yes. Our plan This is how you play the game. Yeah. Now let's talk about sportsmanship. Exactly. (laughs) Our plan basically is, you know, the world has somewhat shut down because of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And I think you and I are uh, both of the opinion where, you know, it's a serious thing. We want everybody to stay safe and stay healthy. Um, But I think also, at least in my opinion, there's a small level of overreaction, but that's just me. Mm -hmm. Um, But Well, I'd rather there be overreaction than underreaction. You know, um, and yeah, I don't want to talk about this more than we have to because you're already hearing it from everywhere else. Yeah, and you're probably sick of it. Our listeners are probably looking to not hear about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, But... It's sort of making us do what we should be doing all along. Wash our hands. Yeah. Good hygiene. Just practice good hygiene. Like we should you know? be doing this even if there isn't a pandemic. Right. You know? I mean, to me, it's not that. Um, I mean, it's like nothing new to us. And if there's a silver lining to this, I've been reading reports against my better judgment. But there's one that I did read that I really liked where if you look at Venice, mm-hmm. the water is clear. Yeah. No pollution. China, China pollution gone down. Um, Jeez, I'm saving money because, you know, classes are all online. Right. I'm not driving my car as much. But you, maybe this is, I mean, this is sort of draconian, but maybe this is the lesson we need to be taught. It could be. It could be. I just wish, you know, like, I don't, I don't particularly care for the curfew idea in New Jersey, but I understand all the other stuff, shutting things down and whatnot. I get that. Mm -hmm. Um, I also kind of think it would think it would be better to go kind of week by week rather than, you know, automatically shutting things down two months from now. Exactly. Like to me, that's a little bit of overkill. Right. I mean, that doesn't mean that we can't still in eight weeks be in the same place that we're at, but Mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of depressing people, Right. you know, uh, you can't really control people. Humans are social beings for the most part. And, um, you know, I just I, I I'd like to believe that, you know, we will get I, I know we'll get through this. Right. I know this, too, will pass. And mm-hmm. uh, sooner rather than later, this will be behind us and life will be back to normal. Yeah. Um, you know, however it can be. Right. But, um, you know, we'll I, th- get through it. I th- yeah, exactly. I just I think everybody just, you know, hey, just practice good hygiene. Mm-hmm. OK, wash your hands properly. Yeah, I took a shower when I got yeah. here. 20 to 30 seconds with soap and warm mm-hmm. water. Sing the ABCs. That'll do it. Sing, sing them in happy ma- birthday in solfege like exactly. I do. Or <laughs> sing the Canadian ABCs, right. you know. 
um, sing uh, sing uh, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star because it's the same tune as the mm-hmm. ABCs or Ba Ba Black Sheep. Same yeah. thing. Um, Do it in all twelve keys. Exa- okay, now you're killing me. Um, you know, if you practice good hygiene, you know, mm-hmm. don't touch your face with your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially unless your- you've watched them, right? You know, but but avoid contact with your eyes, nose, mm-hmm. and mouth, um, and to a degree, I guess your ears as well. Um, Sanitize doorknobs. Exactly. Just you know, clean steering things. wheel. Yeah, just clean things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you should be okay. Yeah. You know, that's the thing too. Is I think we have to remember this, and that's why I think that so much of this is to or to a degree can be an overreaction. If you practice good hygiene, this takes care of itself. Yep. I understand that we need to cancel group outings and whatnot because we have to handle the idea that we need to make sure that there are enough medical supplies for the people who absolutely need this. But there's a lot of people who get over this really quickly. And I'm not saying that's everybody. Obviously, there are some really unfortunate it's like 80 cases. 80 to 85% of yeah. cases are mild exactly. at best. So, and I know that, the, I mean, people are we're, we're developing vaccines and remedies mm-hmm. and whatnot, and I think they'll be out real soon. Right. I know that the FDA is saying it might be 12 to 18 months before a vaccine works. But, I mean, let's be real here. If you, if you push this stuff through, we can fix this real soon. Right. Um, but obviously, you know. You want to be careful. Be careful. Be smart. Okay? <laughs> we don't want vaccines that kill people. Right. But the, the, <laughs> the point, you don't? No. Oh, man, I've been doing it wrong all these years. Oh. oh that's right. It's more, <laughs> along, it's more along the lines of just stop with the ridiculous stuff. Right. You know, be safe. Don't lick your hand and then shake someone else's. Right. That's stupid. Right. Okay. If you're doing that regardless of the coronavirus, you're an idiot. Right. You know, and that's not good sportsmanship. But no, it's, it's also not. not. It's not bad sportsmanship either for some reason. <laughs> So we we here at OSIPIN at How You Play the Game just want you to remember just just be smart and be mm-hmm. safe and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. Don't don't buy into the fear mongering. Right. Okay. If you're smart about this stuff, delete your news app. Yes, you're gonna you're gonna be absolutely fine. Get off of social media. You know, it's okay. but not too much. Right. Because like, we you, you need want to, to follow remain, us. You want there is that. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, our plan is to just do a couple of these episodes out of order. Um, yeah. You know, we're going to release them sooner rather than later so that people have stuff to listen to or do and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we hope that um, everybody's safe out there. And uh, again, if you just practice good hygiene, you're going to be fine. Great. Uh, as a reminder, you know, you can contact the show with uh, the email address podcast at osafoundation.org. Our website is osafoundation.org. On Facebook, it's Facebook slash Osip Foundation, and Twitter and Instagram are at Osip Foundation, hashtag how you play the game. Sean, thank you for your hard work as always. Thank you. We will, uh, we're going to release this episode today and uh, the day we record it, and then we're going to probably do another one or two next week, depending on schedules. What's today? Today's Friday, the 19th? 20th. Oh, the 20th. And uh, oh, wow. you know, and then you'll. Uh, I don't even know what day it is. Anymore. Hey, listen, calendars are just Once diagrams. Once it gets past dates. twenty, I don't know anymore. Hey, listen, we're we're off our routines. I get it. Yeah. So, but uh, we wish everybody well. Um, just you know, be smart and you'll be safe. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. You know, I know the ads are telling you to stay home. If you can stay home, stay home. But if you got to get out, just be smart. Yeah. It's not that. It's not rocket science. Right. You don't feel well. You know, stay home. Yeah. 
that's the big thing to me is that where people like think they have to go to work even when they're sick. Yeah. We're in an age now where if you're sick, stay home. Right. For the love of God. Yeah. It's okay. And if people actually are going to lose jobs, that's that's bad sportsmanship. If people are going to lose jobs because they choose to stay home when they're sick, mm-hmm. that's a problem. That is a problem. All right. We've rambled on enough. I'm, I'm sure people are sick of hearing about us. Oh, yeah. So uh, we'll talk to everybody real soon because we've got nothing else to do. Yep. And uh, until then, everybody treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSIP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by Soundspring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osipfoundation.org.